Welcome to the Boiled Owl Coffee Club Podcast, the meeting after the meeting where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live and there's lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. I'm Don. And I'm Sam. Hiya, Sam. Hey, Don. How are you? I'm good. Actually, I'm sitting here being willing to change as hard as I possibly can. Hmm. (laughs) Being willing to change as hard as you possibly can. That reminds me of uh, an exercise that I've gone through. All right, so folks, I'm sitting here with a pen in my hand. Yeah? And it's just resting in the palm of my hand. I see that. Don, I would like for you to try to take this pen from my hand. Wrong. Put it back. Don, I would like for you to try to take this oh, pen from my hand. Oh, I see. Ah. Wait a minute. All right. Okay, now I'm going to try to take the pen from your hand. Continue, yes. I can't. Let go! <laughs> the point here is that trying, it doesn't exist. It's a Yoda-ism. Oh. Do or do not. There is there no There is no try. <laughs> I thought you were so going with the willingness is a fantastic concept, but it sucks because there's really nothing to it if it's not followed with action. Well, I agree with that. So I, I'm trying to change. Do you believe in those uh, uh, like Myers Briggs personality? Oh, I just did another one today, this morning. So sure enough, it can kind of like you know you can get some kind of a judgment of somebody based on. A few little factors, like, for example, did you drink wine, beer, or liquor? Yes. Okay, that means low bottom. (laughs) (laughs) So here's here's what what I changed. (laughs) Do you open a banana from the stem or from the end of it? The end. You do. I do. Because so that means you're like an ape. I know. That's how I learned <laughs> you it. You open it like an ape instead of a civilized human being. Because they're smart. They are smart because I've been doing it recently. I've never, I've never known about it. Oh, my goodness. It's so much easier. And all this time, I've struggled and struggled and struggled with bananas. I have to get a knife out. Sometimes to break that thing open. Wow, I have you never just, heard anyone say they struggle with bananas. But, oh, okay, really and, <laughs> and you know, I, I get worked up about it. So the banana gets bruised. Oh, <laughs> you know, it gets smashed. Then you have to go pick it up from across the room. And it's even it funnier <laughs> when you just squeeze the banana and it shoots out. Yeah, I wish it would like in a cartoon, <laughs> but it doesn't. It usually just turns to mush. So I've changed. I've changed, and I've been willing to change, and now. In the morning, when I have my cereal, I have more serenity. (laughs) And more banana. (laughs) (laughs) I can get to the banana a lot quicker. (laughs) So your willingness was followed up with action. It was. That's fantastic. By golly. We have a guest here, Sam. We do, and she's not quite as bananas as you are. (laughs) (laughs) Introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Sharon. Hey, Sharon. Sharon. I am an alcoholic in recovery. Thanks for joining us. I'm you're glad very you're well. here. glad I'm here. Thank you. From the look <clears throat> on your face, I think you're more like a gorilla than a civilized person. I hate because to tell you it's, this, but it, I, have, I have struggled with it. I have smushed it. I've bruised it. <laughs> and I've gotten out a knife. All of the above. Oh, so you're civilized. I can't wait civilized. to get home and try to open the other end. <laughs> <laughs> you're willing to change too, I am very huh? willing. Oh, that's great. <laughs> it is. Now, if so, and so now the ape peels it from the other end, but the monkey, the monkey bites it in the middle and peels the 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 peel <laughs> off from the middle. <laughs> I you didn't know em. that. I didn't know that. You watch them. <laughs> that's interesting. Well, I'm I'm glad that we've had this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I Man. learn every single day of my life. This bananas discussion is nuts. Sharon, yes. when did you get sober? When? When? I got sober December 5th, 1981. Wow. So <clears throat> that's been a while. That has been a while. In fact, I'm looking, my celebration's coming up, and I, I think that sometimes my celebration for my alcoholic recovery uh, birthday is 
almost more important than my ber- my belly button birthday. I always yeah. celebrate it more. Uh huh. And think of it more, and it's it's like a rebirth to me. I got my soul back that day. Do you relive that <clears throat> yeah that last day, the surrender? When it's your anniversary. Absolutely. Relive, rethink, refill all uh-huh. the time. I sure do. I think, you know, the period of time leading up to the birthday, there's an ant- anticipation yeah. about the celebration. Oh, it's another year and I'm excited. And then I also, I, w- I happened to be living with my sister at the time <clears throat> in my hometown, Huntington, West Virginia. And, um, you know, she's all, both of my sisters call me and they sent me flowers on my first birthday. I mean, my family has been extremely supportive about my recovery. That's a blessing, you know, that not everybody gets that. Not no. everybody supports me like they do. And so, yes, I do. I remember. And of course, every time I tell my story, I relive it and, re, you know, re, refill it and and get to that place. Because I haven't had a drink since the day I walked in the doors. Mm-hmm. So that's also another blessing. So. The, but I did all my trial and error before I got to AA. I, mean, uh-huh. I tried this and that and psychiatrists and psychology, which I applaud at times, but nothing helped me like Alcoholics Anonymous. You tried. That's what I did. I tried everything in I the tried. world to keep from going to AA. Absolutely. How about <laughs> I mean, the, beer? How about the beer and the water? <laughs> right. You know, have a beer, then have water, then a yeah. beer. And all I did was end up going to the bathroom. That didn't work. Constantly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what other... Rules did you make for yourself? Oh gosh, I, the, it, to try it to was con- interesting because to my prove ex, that you could control it. My ex husband and I were in the restaurant business at the time when I was trying to do my control drinking, and I would make so many mistakes in the restaurant. I'd book people in in a blackout, so he, <laughs> so then he'd say, "Okay, you can't drink before five o'clock," you know. So mm. then I so I'd have to. Then he says, "No, you can't drink before eight o'clock." So it, we kept backing off my times when I could start drinking, but we had. Um, most people on the gun, that little gun where water, oh, co- the, so- coke, the soda gun, a soda gun where Sprite and you know the the mixed drink, mixed mm-hmm. sodas come out. We had one with wine. We had we had Chablis, <laughs> Rosé, and Burgundy. Oh, that and, sounds and like heaven! And I could just take my little coffee cup over there, <laughs> boom, boom, and I was in heaven. So oh, well, that is awesome. I know it was <laughs> a great. Had- that's that's the house. That's wine. two alcoholics owned in one restaurant. So. Yeah, <laughs> let's run the wine <laughs> right through. Let's run it through the <laughs> tanks. That's, that's right. Maybe, maybe an extra line running into the office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those kinds of things. I know. You know that that's the kind of thing that's just like such luxury. I often think I would like to have a ketchup dispenser like they have at McDonald's. That's that's. An isolated pipe that comes up and curves from the top, and you pull the little <laughs> mm-hmm. thing, and ketchup comes up. I'd like one of those, and I also like one of those uh, the frozen uh, yogurt machines mm-hmm. where the yogurt squirts out of the wall. I'd like to have one of those in the kitchen, you know. Now the problem is, you'd also have to maintain it and clean it. Well, <laughs> mm-hmm. get the help to do that. I, I kind of figured. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait a minute. There is no help. Exactly. It's never going to happen. <laughs> When I first got sober in Virginia Beach, I had a friend who who relapsed, and when they found him, when he got his last DUI, he had taken and put liquor in his windshield wipers what? container under the hood, and he had and he ran a cord through, and he could just push the button for alcohol. I, Is that? I think I have heard heard that before. I think I heard you speak, and you must have shared that, because that is the craziest story, but I've heard that. My chin just hit the floor. (laughs) I know. That's brilliant. He was really a hardcore. That is is. is brilliant. We are a smart lot. We are. Isn't that that the truth? We have to be smart to get by and do the things we do and remember what we didn't do. Oh, gosh. It's hard to keep up with it it all. It's hard to be. In, it's inventive in ways to hide it and all of that. I mean, and mostly hiding it from myself. I mean, yeah. I, when I came to AA, I didn't realize that I hid my drinking at all. I I realized that by going to speaker meetings and mm-hmm. hearing about. Uh, there was a guy who was saying, "I kept uh, a trash can out uh, behind the house, and I had a trash can in the basement." And I would put my beer cans in different places so they wouldn't pile up. And I was going, wait a minute, is that hiding? <laughs> uh, I guess I did hide. I just thought yeah. those were clever places to keep it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. So we, we had the recycle bin. It was one of the open recycle bins that uh, that you put out at the curb. And it was full 
of vodka bottles. Yes. And it was like, well, I can't take all these to the curb. That was the only time I was hiding my drinking, was right. the evidence hiding it from the neighbors and the trash man. The telltale. Um, I didn't mind if you saw me drinking like shot after shot after shot, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, hiding the evidence. Yep. Driving to the dumpster instead of putting it in the outside trash. Yeah, I did that. Bag it up and take it, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. at the grocery store. And then Don had this wonderful story a few episodes ago about uh, the church recycling center. That was and- so embarrassing. <laughs> the, the, before there was curb pickup in, in this area for recycling, and we had joined the UU Church, and they decided to be, you know, public service, have recycling dumpster, which they had delivered to the church property, and it was made out of wire. It was like a big wi- size of a dumpster, but it was just made out of wire, so it was just for recyclable stuff. And I said, this is a great idea. This will be my part. I'm going to do my part. And I loaded up the car with the, all the recycling that I'd stored up and went over there. My car, it was my truck. It was my pickup. Yeah, it needed a truck bed for and this. I've and I dumped the bags and dumped the bags and dumped the bags. And I looked, I finished up and looked at it. And it was like, it was empty before. And I had <laughs> half filled it up with beer cans because I'd been saving them for a long time now. At Sam. least two weeks. This, this was a long time. <laughs> At least two weeks. Get him, Sharon. I like, you know, I was smoking it, getting out of that parking lot because I was scared somebody's going to come and say, you put all that in there? Yep. Oh, yeah, I've been picking them up on the roadside. Uh, that uh, controlling the drinking and failing at it is what has to happen to be able to, to get to the place where I went... Uh, there's no way I can do this. I have no control over this whatsoever. Until I got to that point, I wasn't going to be willing to do the stuff that AA asked me to do. The The crazy part about all of it also, for me even, was I tried to control it. And the thing is, is everybody left. You know, I didn't have, the, I, could, I can't blame the kids anymore. Their dad took them with him when he left me. He needed to. He, he really did. And I didn't have a job. I got fired. So I don't have a job. I don't have kids. I don't have a husband. I don't have a business. Mm. So you don't have to hide it anymore at that point. But it, was that good or bad that you couldn't have, didn't have to hide? Did it become evident to you at that point? When well, it took about six or? more months. Yeah, it took about six months after the kids left. And I thought for a few minutes, I thought, well, you know, they're gone. But I, I, I missed them immensely. But the alcohol was was the guard. It kept me from feeling those feelings. It kept me from feeling that sadness or the or, or look at the responsibility of what I needed to do differently. Mm-hmm. So that was the other the other side of that. It's the very reason I've stayed sober one day at a time. From the very beginning, I knew from day one in December of eighty one that if I didn't stay sober, I wouldn't get my kids back. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that was very, very important to me. So that was, you know, people have asked me, why you didn't relapse after you came in? I know I didn't. But I knew I wouldn't get my kids back in my life if I, if I drank again. You know, that I, makes I me that. think of, of one of the, um, the, the important things that we, we say to folks, and that is, you know, getting sober for someone else really doesn't work. Yeah. And it uh, makes me want to make a, a clear distinction right. on what you just shared, that, you know, this, this was to get your kids back. Exactly. But it was because you wanted your kids back. I tell, it was still I, you were doing it for you. I now, obviously people, for them too. Right. But. I tell people all the time, I don't care what your motivation is. To that you can. There's a saying in Texas a lot: liquor. You come in for liquor, lover, labor, or law. Oh, say that slower. Say that faster. <laughs> say that fast again. Say it slower. <laughs> liquor, lover, labor, or law. Those one of those four things. <laughs> I love it. Liquor is the booze, the drug, yeah. the whatever. Lover is your family, spouse, parents, whatever. Labor. Labor is your job, and then law. And actually, when you look at statistically, law has, people don't think, well, you're here because the court sent you. It has the highest rate of efficacy in, in getting into recovery is law. And I know a lot of people don't think that's true, but it does. Yeah. Is, it, is that because you have to go to a set number to go, of meetings? You have to saturate yourself. You have, you have to be there. You have to be present. And a lot of times, just getting sent there, I don't care why people come in. women I sponsor and you know if you're here because your spouse said okay that's it's still part of your life you know my kids were part of my life my spouse my ex my sisters whatever I don't care what anybody comes in initially it eventually when you start working those steps 
you can't you can't get by the fact that it's you, it's for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's for you and your you and your higher power are going to do this. How you going how you going to get it done? Oh yeah, I get my kids back if I if I stay sober. So motivation initially. Yeah, whatever gets you whatever here. Whatever gets you here. Gets yeah. the seed planted, gets and gets and, it, and then then it's done. up to you whether or not you're going to jump in. Right. Yeah. I always tell when when. I've been chairing a meeting or something and been asked to sign their sheet that proves that they were there. I always say, you know, I'll sign it, but AA doesn't care about signing this or not. I'm just glad that you're here. You could sign it yourself for all I care. But if they, you know, if you want to be honest and want me to sign it, I'm glad, I'm happy to sign it. But I'd want to make it clear that AA doesn't. I like that, that clarification. Um, I also am like, no, I'll sign it at the end of the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> I've had oh. so many people ask me at the beginning of the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I'll wait till the end of the meeting, too. Yeah, I think gonna, it's a good I'm idea to wait to the give end. Them, I'm not giving them up. <laughs> That's, yeah. But I don't want, I don't know. I, was, I guess what my concern is, is that uh, they'll get the idea that AA is a, you know, I've heard one guy talking about going to these classes. Classes. Going, well, this yeah. is not a class. It's not a class. And it's also, we aren't enforcement. We are not any part of the enforcement of this at all. Don't you think that's really the turnaround when somebody decides, when they finally, like we call it, get it, or the miracle happens, is when they begin to come to meetings because they want to, not because they have to. Yes. And that that switch, it just, it just happens one day, and you realize, mm. God, I got up today, and I want to go to a meeting. I mean, I really, I want to see where Jennifer's at, and I want to see how Tom's doing. And That happened to me real fast because it was the third meeting I went to. I had gone to two meetings, and I was at work. It was uh, 9 o'clock in the morning, and I started, I was painting a bathroom, a house painter, and I was painting this bathroom, and it was like, I was so frustrated, and I was started like banging the brush, and I was, and you know, I hadn't had a drink now in four days. <laughs> four days! Four. And, I, you know, I didn't go a to deal. a treatment center. I came into AA. So I got sober in AA, and I was hurting, and I, I didn't know what was going on with me, but I was like going, you know what? I think I need to go to a meeting because they were talking about going to a meeting and I got uh, found out where a meeting was and, and sure enough there was a it turned out it was a women's meeting but there was a meeting that was about 4 blocks away from where I was working and I went in there and there was uh two people there who knew me in fact two of them were women who saw me pick up a chip a few days ago you know mm-hmm. and they said yeah come on in oh, and I felt better so, you know, that desperation, that horrible feeling that I was going to jump out of my skin mm-hmm. went away when I went to a meeting. So that proved to me, ah, th- this is the answer. This really works. You know, I don't know what it is about going to a meeting that, that treats that, but it does. I was feeling really down and low last Thursday, decided... I'm going to get up out of this recliner, which I've been down because of surgery. But I went to a meeting, and I'm telling you, on the way home, I was singing a song and whistling. <laughs> <laughs> went back to a meeting Friday night, and then went to one Saturday morning. And I'm feeling much better. I'm not, you know, yeah. not down and, and feeling bad about myself or anything. So Why? That is so Why is weird. That? It mean, is weird just to get out of myself. I mean, the more I stay, and I, I see it as like the more I stay into myself. Come a little closer to the mic. The more I get in. To myself, the the further away I am from you all, that my program, my girlfriends, and, and my support system, and it makes it a lot easier for bad negative thoughts to come in. Uh-huh. And I'll oh, put woe is me or golly and and when I'm out and about and with other people, I went out to lunch after yesterday after the women's meeting. We had a blast. Got a I got a text back said how much fun she had, and we had a blast. So. So what is, how, how many years is it now that you've been sober? Well, 37. 37 years. All right. So 37 years. Mm-hmm. Has your default wiring, I, I refer to it as my default wiring, mm-hmm. is for me to be alone, <clears throat> is for me to isolate, me not to hang out. Mine hasn't changed. That's still my default. Now, I'm much more aware of it, mm-hmm. and I can much more easily choose to not operate on that default and go to a meeting and go hang out, call people, things like that. But... When I'm up in me, up in my head, that default kicks in, and I would rather be alone. Are you 
Are you wired that way? Were no, you? I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm an extrovert, very okay. much so. So I get my energy from being with people. My husband, who I lost from death, but um, he was an introvert. But so if we would have game night every Saturday night, I'd go to three and he'd go to one. Okay. Uh, because he would that introvert that person mm-hmm. that that person who who get you get you get restored internally. In, by being alone, solitude. So your work is to go. My work was when I don't do that, then I can I get in trouble. I get in trouble when I'm not around my friends and around my my peeps and are busy doing something with my grandkids or or whatever. You yeah. know when uh, Don mentioned the <clears throat> Myers Briggs type indicator and and I took that long before sobriety and tested mm-hmm. you know, majorly introvert. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, two, three years into sobriety, I, I took the test again, and I took it with not the mindset of being at work. I, I took it with the mindset of being around people in recovery, and I tested extrovert. Wow. So it, it, it's one of those weird things of I, I'm on that cusp depending mm-hmm. on the environment that I'm in mm-hmm. because it, in many cases, I, I get recharged by being around people in recovery. I call myself an outgoing introvert now, but <laughs> I like that. <laughs> okay, but but it you is still one of those things. The classification. Hey, <laughs> I'm special. We know that. Um, so, but yeah, but I have to have solitude to recharge. Being around uh, social situations is not a first choice. I have to choose to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had when the it comes to being time with those two things, because yes? I feel like. I, I feel like an introvert because I'm shy and my interior voice is so critical that I always feel like I'm screwing up around people and that I'm, oh, they don't like me and I need to be alone. And then I get alone and I draw and do I'm an artist. So I do that and I really like that time. But the truth of the matter, and then I'll tell people that I'm an introvert, and they'll everyone goes, Don, you are not an introvert because I'm so wide open around people. And the truth is I really get energy from being around people. But on the other well, maybe hand, you, I Maybe love... you're balanced. I mean, if there's 20 points... Oh, God, 10, no. He's not balanced. 10 and 10. <laughs> <laughs> if there's 10 points for extrovert and 10 for introvert, maybe you're 10-10 yeah. instead of, you know, 18-2, yeah. you know, yeah. or... Because I think that because sometimes it, sometimes I need one, sometimes I need the other. That's right. I think that's where I that's where it's changed for me. Even with the Myers Briggs, is that mm-hmm. I am much more balanced than I was when I first came in, because I can be with myself when I want to. Yeah, and that's different. Yeah, because that drinking is, is to get out of yourself. Exactly. But mm-hmm. but I do have my quiet moments, and when I can meditate, I like to drum when I when I meditate. Oh uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. What's what's that like? Well, I think it's very rewarding. I think it helps me because my brain kind of... What kind of drum? It's just a little handmade drum that a friend of mine in with, with Montana your hands or are you made. Using no, stick? I have a little thing, you know, stick. <laughs> and I just, I, I drum a heartbeat mostly. And um, once I can get into the heartbeat, then I'm not listening to this and I'm not thinking about my bills and I'm not thinking about that stuff. Uh-huh. And I can just focus. meditate and, and go into a, a good wonderful serene place uh-huh. oh, that's really interesting so how long do you tend to do that only five or ten minutes five or ten minutes yeah you know, i'm not it's not really long and, it, and it's a daily thing no it's about probably three or four times a week okay i'm always in, intrigued about people in their meditative practices mm-hmm. do you have a uh, a set time that you do it no. or is it is it a no. morning thing is it an evening it's mostly thing, evenings or? cool mm-hmm. now i gotta go get a drum it was, and it was Maybe it's really that interesting. Will do, <laughs> that will fix me. <laughs> a friend of mine uh, from Washington D.C. Well, he lives in Montana, but he made it for me. And and I went on a vision quest once in my recovery. And my hummingbird Ooh. is my power animal, and he painted the hummingbird on my drum. And that all of that whole whole oh, yeah. process, all that whole thing, helps me get into into being able because I can. I'm kind of uh, ADD. So it's kind of hard for me to to bring in my all those thoughts sometimes and and get into meditation because I can't get there just by sitting down in a chair and going there. I have to have something uh-huh. that I start with, and it's usually a drum. Or I can I can do it if I center. I can do that, but 
step 11 has been has been a struggle for me for a long time for that reason for meditation interesting sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with god as we understood him praying mm -hmm. for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out it's so have you felt ever felt something oh Is yes i have i've ever i've always felt there's there's times when i'm closer to my my husband that passed away my hospice counselor actually taught me how to to go in and talk to him through meditation. And I go down a hallway. I mean, it's a really it's really a neat process to to be able I don't channel. I don't do any of that it's, stuff. It's a visualization. It, this, it's a visualization and, for me uh -huh. only. And it's like when I had when I got a, when you know years ago when I got a new job and there were there were clear messages to me that God and my husband was very it was a right thing to do. And in other areas of my life sometimes when I question what what's going on? What what do I need to do next? And that kind of thing. And I can I can go there. It's very comforting. I was in a church group that was talking about uh, prayer and meditation. And now I, I'm a identify as a Quaker, so I go to a Quaker church. This is, I think it dovetails nicely with my practice in AA in silence and meditation. Mm -hmm. But the I was amazed the group was talking. So many of them were talking about, well, what all this talking about spirit and trying to have a spiritual experience, and which the Quakers talk about in all the literature, and being silent and inviting the light in. and But there's nothing there. All these people were saying there was five, five or six people. I never, there's nothing there. I wish I could have that, but it's not there. And I was I don't know. I've... I completely understand that because that's where I was for years and years. And in fact, it's where I am at different times now. Sometimes I have done a prayer and meditation. I've asked God, so I'll say God, and by that I mean, you know, whatever spirit there is out there, I don't know what it is, for help. I ask for help, and I have gotten help. And, and, and at that point, it's really real. Three weeks later, there's nothing there. It, uh, I think that's our human. I've always seen that as my humanness, that I can only. It, that's why it says to improve our conscious contact with God. We're never there all, always. Uh -huh. I'm never in that place at all times. But I have to work to get there sometimes because I'm, I'm actually a spiritual being having a human experience. Love that. I believe when I get back into my humanness and I'm you know, screaming at cars going down the road the wrong way or in my way. You know, that my humanness comes back and captures my attitude and my reaction to life. And I'm not in that spiritual, you know, I'm not in that close contact with God. But I have to take myself there. I don't think it's an automatic thing for a lot of, maybe Mother Teresa. Or, it or comes some, from the practice of doing the it, prayer and meditation. I, I think it does. I think it, it truly comes from practice. And I have to I have to work hard at it sometimes to do that. But the practice also serves us by making it easier many times mm -hmm. to get there. Yes. It, it continues to improve that my ability. First of all, the awareness of, oh, I need to do that. Um, and then the the ability to choose to do it and and then follow it with action, Don, and do it. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, when the guest is being sought for, it is the. Oh no, I can't remember. What Come it on, is. Dick, not Don. When the guest is being sought, it is the. Oh, now I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, and then he's going to do an edit, and he's going to put it in, and he's going to make it sound like Wonderful. he nailed it from the beginning. Are we on pause? But the uh, the fact of the matter is that we're going to like totally like trash him while he's going to find it right now, uh -huh. and he's yes. not going to have the opportunity to edit yeah. this out. <laughs> Welcome back, Don. When the guest is being sought for, it's the intensity of longing for the guest that does all the work. Thank you for going and getting the book so that you could read that to us, Don. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's in a poem by Kabir, translated by Robert Bly. And Kabir was, I don't know, 13th century poet, a Sufi. I was going to say Middle Eastern. Yeah, mm -hmm. Robert cool. Bly, and he's the one that wrote Iron Man? Actually, it's Iron John. Robert Bly did. Mm -hmm. But that's really resonated with me because it's the intensity. Well, that's what happened to me was the intensity of longing. 
that intensity of longing that enabled me to have the experience was the fact that I was going out of my freaking mind because I couldn't drink. You know, you mean your solution was removed and you hadn't found a, another solution yet? And I was, I was in so much pain and I had, it was like, I've got to do something because I don't want to drink and I'm going to drink. And I decided to, I decided to give up and say a prayer to the God I didn't believe in. Mm-hmm. It's that willingness of desperation. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what that, that's I had, addressing. I had a moment. I think intensity is very important because I, I remember a moment. I, I was living with my sister my last two months of my drinking. And um, thank goodness because I lost my job and, and I had nothing. But um, I was going to an AA meeting and I was sitting, I don't know, it was a week or two weeks or it was early, early on. I was sitting in a red light. I, and to this day, when I go to visit her in Huntington, I, I, t- I tell her, there's my red light. Vicky. That red light. That red light. Carries and a I lot was, for Yes, you. it does. Uh-huh. I was sitting there, and I had my hands on the wheel, and there was a 7-Eleven right there in the corner. And I knew I could get my wine in there. And I, the light went straight to the meeting, or I could go right. And I, that's when I said, God help me. Oh, I've got chills. God help wow. me. Uh-huh. And I went straight. I got chills too. You know what they that are. My grandmother fantastic. always said those are, those are the angels brushing their wings across your shoulders. Oh, I like that. <laughs> that's cool. That's good. Isn't that cool? But that's my red light experience that I go to every time I go visit my sister. You know, I just mm. have to go through there because I and it's a thank you. It's a gratitude moment right. every single time that I go through there. And it was something that turned. Something turned inside of me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you can't can that. You can't Mm-mm. you can't get no. it out. Of, you can't read it out of a book. You can't do anything but experience it. It's a real thing that happened to you too, and so nobody can talk you out of it. No. I mean, you know, try and talk you into well, that was just a chemical reaction or something in your brain. Nope. Um, you asked for help, and you got that it. That was a spiritual experience for me. There's a restaurant that we go to at Carolina Beach. I was six months sober. We went to the beach, and I went in there and was like going, I can't, I've got to get out of here because everybody was drinking, and I couldn't drink, and I was miserable. The second year I went there, and I was said a prayer, asked God for help, and the whole time I was there, I was watching what everybody was drinking and, and all. Counting, but, yeah, yeah <laughs> counting. He's drinks. at three. But you know, oh my I, God, that one left it unfinished. But I was grateful that I didn't have to drink. And the third year I went, so it's three years sober. I went and had dinner, and as I was walking out, I was going, "Oh, that's that restaurant." <laughs> Exactly the same place where I had that experience. And I got to see Telescope there by going to that one place once a year, Mm -hmm. how I had changed in recovery. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. That's the part that I wish sometimes I could share. Find the words. And it's in our stories that we can do that, but to newcomers. Mm -hmm. Because initially you feel awful. You know, and a lot of times newcomers will just say, screw this. I, I felt better when I was using or drinking or whatever, mm-hmm. and they're out of there. But, boy, if you just hold on long enough, you'll see the changes within your heart and your, and your life and, and your you actions. And if you never go out, if you never drink and use again, then you never have to go through that crap, I know. that tough time of that, that initial stage. Sharon, what's something that happened to you in recovery where – You've described a kind of spiritual experience, but what's something, one of the steps where you worked maybe were resisting the idea of doing it, but found, oh, this this really works? I think in step three, back in the early days when I was trying, I could not to turn my life and will over to the care of God. I didn't have a, I didn't have a good connotation of, of what the God of my understanding was. What did you think about? It was the, negative. It was judgmental. Uh-huh. And I, this is not, I was raised in the Presbyterian church and I thought my fate was already set. Uh-huh. Now that's not what the church means by that. That's how I, I interpreted it. Mm-hmm. That I was a bad person. I was just going to stay that way. No matter what I did, wouldn't matter. I'm screwed up, I'm so screwed. it doesn't I've, matter. I've messed up a marriage, three kids, blah, 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 blah. I've done all that. Um, Let's have another. That's right. So, <laughs> so, yeah. but, but trying to work that step. So what happened was my sponsor, I was working very closely with my sponsor, and she said, Sharon, you need to ask to see God's love in your life. you got to ask to see God's love in your life. And 
So I was in the kitchen one day, and this was my, my, one of my early, another spiritual experience. I opened up the refrigerator, and it's, I'm a single mom, three kids, and there was a big tan, can of tomato juice spilt all over the refrigerator. And I opened the door, and I said, God, who did this? And, of course, the two older ones were sitting at the table eating breakfast, and my little one came up behind me and said, I did it, Mommy. I'll help you clean it up. And what hit me that very second was that's exactly the God of my understanding and now he's, how he's going to be with me. And that when I, all the screw-ups that I've had all my life, if I recognize that and say, I'm sorry, I did it, and I want to learn to be different and I'll help myself clean my life up and, and help the kids get through this. It was like a wow spiritual moment for me. And you had, you had asked for it I to had be asked, shown. I'd been asking for several days to, be, mm-hmm. to let God's love be seen in my life. I don't want, it, and it's, I think love is always, God has always been love to me. Mm-hmm. And the love in your heart and your heart and mine and the connectedness with my children and with anybody I run into or, or experience, it's all to me about God's love. It, love mm-hmm. is God and God mm-hmm. is love. So it, it became easier when I began to see it in my kids. You know, they were, kids are very resilient. But I also know that I hurt them a lot too. Alcoholism doesn't, it's not a, it's not a fun thing for families, I'll tell you. So you did get your kids back. Oh, yeah. Within six months later, I got sober and moved to Virginia Beach where my mm-hmm. ex-husband had taken a new job and the children. Mm-hmm. And I got them back, and they lived with me in a condo that I couldn't afford. <laughs> <laughs> you know how we are. Did you go to meetings every day? I went to more than probably two a day. Two I, a day. I saturated myself with AA just like I did my drinking. With two kids? With three children. With three children. And let me tell you, they went with me. You know, to the, We had a club there called the Easy Does It Club in Virginia Beach. And it was big, so there was space in the back and a couple couches, and I'd take peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, and uh, chips and milk and stuff, and they'd sit back and play and puzzles. I couldn't afford a babysitter. Mm-hmm. There's no way I could afford a babysitter to go to my meetings. Um, so, in fact, when my son was 10, now this is, he's, that was, I was five years sober. We were living in Texas then. He walked in the back door one day and he looked at me and, and Dave and I, my second husband who I met in AA, we were talking about a friend of ours who had been to our home for dinner several times, got drunk. And my 10 year old son looked at me and he looked at Dave and he said, I didn't think alcoholics drank. I thought you just went to meetings. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't know. He doesn't remember me. The older two do, of course, but right. that little one didn't. It was so funny when he looked. He's just like, wow. <laughs> I didn't think I'm, alcoholics I'm drank. I thought you just went to meetings. <laughs> I love but when you that. think about it, we're only alcoholic after we get to AA. You know, <laughs> right. we we you know yeah. defend our non-alcoholism before That's we get right. there. But I thought that was funny. He's, he's that a, is. That's great. <laughs> So you've done a bit of moving around in recovery I have, then. I have. Three years, in Virginia, five months when I got sober in, in West Virginia. And then I wanted, you know, it's like that speaker that said, I'm, I got five months sober, I'm going to get a tent and a tambourine, I'm going to save some souls. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Williams for Fort Worth, Texas. I'm I love fire. that. Man. I'm on fire. So I wanted my kids back, so I moved to Virginia Beach, um, which is where he was living with the kids. Got a condo and... Um, uh, Decided I was, I, there's another moment, you know, where we have these moments in our life. I was waiting tables. and Yeah, if we will allow that they are. Yeah, yeah that I know. You Sometimes got to allow, because it, it's real easy to go, yeah. oh, let's I know. let it go by. Go I ahead. waiting tables in this Mexican-Irish pub. Mexican-Irish <laughs> pub, that's restaurant. fabulous. Okay. And I was mopping the floor, and I, I was the expediter that night, so you have to, you have to serve food. You had to run hot food, is what that is. But you also have to mop the floor in front of the pass bar in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was. I looked up at the clock, and it was like ten minutes till two in the morning. And I'm mopping that floor back and forth and back and forth. And I and I stood, stopped for a second, and said, "I'm not going to do this the rest of my life. I'm not." And the very next day, I think that there was strength in there from from loving myself. And, and loving what I, my new program, I just called my ex. I said, could you help me with the kids? I really need your support if I go back to school. And he said, sure. 
about I was surprised. You weren't expecting that. <laughs> no, I was not expecting that at all. He was very supportive, and we we worked the kids out so he had them for school, and then they were with me on the weekends, and I could go back to school full time, and ended up getting my counseling degree um, and ba- my bachelor's in counseling. And then, so I did change my life. I changed, I, and I don't, you know, I didn't have to mop a floor anymore. Uh-huh. Well, that is so, such a wonderful example too of um, ask for what you need. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. It, it, it doesn't really show up if you don't ask. That's right. I know. It was just. Yeah, you just... described that twice, asking for help and and then discovering it. Well, and you know, I think that I think there were times. I remember my first, very first weeks in the program. I still remember this lady coming up to me and putting her arm around my shoulder and say, "You're going to make it, Sharon. You're going to make it." You know, that's 37 years ago, and I still remember <laughs> yeah. that woman that yeah. that said that to me. So, I didn't think I was. I didn't think I could get 30 days, let alone 37 years, you know, one day at a time. Wow. It's amazing. Uh, but it, there is a tremendous amount of willingness to do it, mm-hmm. to put your feet where they need to be. You know, I've always, I t- always talked about my feet need to be there, my feet need to be there. And if I'm there, then I can receive it. But if I'm not there, I can't. I can't. Well, you know, one of the other things that I love, particularly about folks who've been around for so long, is just the idea of how many people have you helped in that journey and how many people have they helped mm-hmm. and on mm-hmm. and on. Mm-hmm. It's true. Those experiences that you described, Sharon, of like just someone putting their arm around you and telling you and how much that still carries. Yeah. I still try so to do much. that with other, other people. Other people are are getting that from you. Yeah, I uh, I was in a meeting one night. And we were saying the Lord's Prayer, and this guy was holding my hand, and he looked over and he said, "Sharon, do you remember me?" And I went, "Help me out here, <laughs> help me out." <laughs> Not and really. he said, "I was in I was in one of your groups six years ago," and he said, "I have sixteen weeks." You know, awesome. Oh my God! That, how wonderful! And I've often, I've often talked to people like that. Is that it does, is that success? Of course it is. Yeah. You know, he he doesn't stay sober the entire time, but he's back in the program. He's there. He's got. He's proud to have sixteen weeks now. That's success in my book. I don't. It is. I've learned to redefine success over and over and over in these years. Yeah. You know, there is a couple of big book meetings that I've uh, been to recently that have been reading the uh, the forewords to the mm-hmm. big book. Mm-hmm. And uh, so twice I, I've gone through, I think it's in the set forward to the second edition that it talks about the percentages of people who have recovered. And I think it's something along the lines of 50% recovered right away, another 25% uh, after several relapses. And of the remaining 25%, many showed marked improvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, I think, is a thing to, to note, is mm-hmm. that you know some folks struggle to stay sober. There's no doubt about it. I, I've seen it in the rooms. I experienced it when I came in. And the thing is, life can still get better. Even if I have a relapse, even if I drink, uh, it's not the end of the world. No. Come back. Life can get better. No, it's another opportunity to give up Yeah, and discover give up. I liked uh, with the percentages. Mm-hmm. I really like that story that Ginger tells about when she first called the switchboard of AA and said, I'm a math professor. She said, I want to know what the percentages for success are. And the person on the phone had the wherewithal to say, well, I think if you want to quit drinking, there's a 100% chance this will work. And if you want to drink, there's a 100% chance this won't. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. It just cut through all of it and turned it back to, let's get out of this, uh, the thin air up here. Uh, yeah. Do you want to quit drinking <clears throat> or do you want? And and this works if you want to do I've, it. I've always not been a, in favor of these percentages. That do, they lay on treatment centers and that kind of thing. You don't go to your, your internist and ask, what's your success of diabetes, treating people with diabetes? You know the doctor would turn that right around and say, well, I don't know. What are you going to do with it? You know, you're going to change your diet. You're going to lose weight. You're going to exercise. It'll be up to you. Uh-huh. You know, but every person has a hundred percent chance of staying sober if they choose to. 
every person has that that opportunity. So I don't I don't like those numbers much. Look out. Oh, There's a shadow oh. whirling around the table here. <laughs> that <laughs> It's time for our old timers question. Who you calling an old timer? Sharon, because you're just a whippersnapper. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you, that's what happens if you don't drink and you don't die. Well, no that's longer right. how long. You don't long drink you, and you don't die. That's no matter I, how long you've been sober, it's still one day at a time. Mm-hmm. I agree. Is that the question? <laughs> no. That's not the question. <laughs> so uh, here's the question, and uh, I, I, I got to tell you, this one is a little suspect, but uh, here we go. This is from PD the Pirate in G Vegas. I think that might be a pseudonym, but go ahead. I think it might be. (laughs) What is fully self-supporting? I see some people only put money in their home group's seventh tradition basket and not in other meetings. Well, it's interesting because you you know that I lived in Texas. They Mm -hmm. define self-supporting very differently than we do here. Really? Yes. You don't have meetings in churches. You don't get by with paying $10 a meeting in a church. You You have your own space. There's nothing but unity clubs and summit clubs. It's That's all in clubhouses or all over. All of them have either storefront. They may be over top a liquor store, but <laughs> but they're all they they define it self supporting, having their, paying their own rent, paying their own electric, their gas, water, whatever. So poor, they don't feel like it's self supporting to be in a church and pay rent to the church. It's or I do don't they, know if they. You don't hear people say that, but they just clearly, it's like they don't question, this is what we do. All of them are clubs. And they may have 40 meetings in each club a week, but all the money goes into one bucket. So, so and you and I have talked about this. Yeah, so so yeah. Is, it's a home group that has, has leased to that right. club when space. I, earlier when I said my home group was Dallas North in, uh-huh. in, in Dallas, we had 44 meetings a week. And, and they my, were all the my, Dallas North group. Right. Your, group, your home group is, is like to here, you'd say, what's your home group? I'd say Summit Fellowship. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Which would be the name Which of is a clubhouse. you got men and women, and you got non-smokers. Back then we had non-smoking. You know, you had right. all of it. It's a clubhouse. Rooms, Al-Anon's down the hallway. Everybody's right there. Yet, whereas the way things are here in, in Greensboro, in my experience in North Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, is a home group is a, a group of right. people, mm-hmm. and they may have multiple meetings a week. Right. But for the most part, they do not lease a space that is theirs. I know. They rent a room from a space. Right. The, what, and that's one a big of the difference between Texas one, one and North Yes, it's different, but it's not. there's not right or wrong. Oh, God, no. I no. don't ever come and say, well, in Texas, we do it. You know, no. It is just different. <laughs> well, the chips are wrong, but. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but the thing is, is that what I liked about it and what I miss about it is that is that community. It's like you go, you have, you have your own bulletin board. And we had, like for birthday night, you have one birthday night a month. And mm-hmm. all, of the, all of the meetings... Would celebrate, celebrate that night, and it, we'd start early. It was like three hours long. I bet, yeah. And you have an introducer, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we had, a, like, a big wooden box with everybody. They'd plan and put everybody's name on each window, and everybody would bring cards and write on their for their birthday. Oh, cool. So everybody would go home with a stack of cards. Well, you know, I saw a bulletin board in a club in Florida when I went to a meeting in Florida that had birthday this month's birthdays and had everybody's name up there exactly. and i'll bet it was very similar very similar and we had a big bulletin board too and you had all the one years a huge list then you have a four or five in two years and you know it gets lower nice. and lower and then it jumps to 16 and you know you see you know how many people go back out again you yeah know, and, don't and stay when. and don't stay um but i but but you also have your own coffee cups and mugs and you, you know and then on birthday night you get to know everybody in your club, mm-hmm. you know. So it's it's a it's a fascinating different process that that they that have. sounds really attractive. And then you have yep. you can have dances. You know, your club has a dance, and all different. Your seven a.m. meeting people come, and your six o'clock meeting comes, and so uh, fully self supporting. There's two elements to it, and one of them is what you're talking about. I think there's is that we want to support the group that's putting on the meeting. So when I first came in, I had no idea what the difference between a group and and a meeting was. And the home group 
puts on the meetings. Now, that's really clear in the description you gave Sharon of. The home group is that club, and it puts mm-hmm. on all those meetings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you join the home group, you join the club, mm-hmm. and you help put on all those meetings. We have a cleaning day. Once, one Saturday a month, everybody pitches in and comes and cleans yeah. the club. And any money Spotless. that you put into the basket goes to, to the one. club, and then that supports the, the whole thing. It's easy in here to go to meetings and not realize that there is a group that's putting on the meetings. And you think mm-hmm. that the meeting is, I don't know, is, is AA. One element is you're putting money in the basket to support the rent and putting on the space. That's what they're talking about with being fully self-supporting in our traditions is that we don't want to take charity. We want to pay our own way. Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't want to take charity. Alcoholics Anonymous, we pay our own way. Mm -hmm. So we pay rent for the place that we are. We don't accept charity for it. And, you know, we don't, uh, there was a lot of struggle with money in the early days about uh, whether to accept grants from like Rockefeller and that sort of thing. And they decided, no, we can't accept that. I agree. We need to be fully self-supporting. So then, it's, then, then, then it comes to the individual. And then the individual's responsibility is to support AA. So how are you going to do that? Are you going to just give money to the home group or, or to the club and then let that be how you're going to support AA? Or are you going to spread it around and give some money everywhere? And I think that's a personal decision. Mm-hmm. As long as one is, is supporting AA, then it's... In some way, you're doing it. But, you know, I started putting a dollar in the basket everywhere I go. And that includes things that aren't AA. Just because if I'm using the facilities and I'm drinking the coffee, like <laughs> it's like, well, I, a, well and I have the means to be able to do it. I have a dollar in my pocket. Right. Now, if I don't have a dollar in my pocket, that's a whole different thing. If somebody's new in AA and doesn't have any money, then they don't need to put anything in there because you don't have agreed. any money. And I went through years of that. So today, my choice, I put $2 every meeting I go to, and I put 5 in my home group. I love that. Yeah. Every single week. Uh-huh. I don't go to because there were times when I didn't know what you can ask my kids a long time ago. I, we didn't know what we were going to have for dinner. I couldn't put money in the basket, but I always said when I will be able to do that. And you think about this, dollar in the basket. We've been doing that for, what, yeah, 80, 80 yeah. years? It really needs to be $2. The rent, and, and in Dallas, they say, we thank you for your $2 contribution. Hmm. And that's the only way they could get anybody, without saying, give $2. They, they just said, we thank you for your $2. It's just to put that in their minds that maybe they need to give it a little bit more, if they can. Yeah. It's always if they can, anyway. Uh, absolutely. When I first started the club that I went to in Huntington, in West Virginia, mm-hmm. they said, if you got some, take give it. If you, <laughs> if you need some, take it. Now, they quit doing that. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> because Sharon came to the meeting. Yeah, they, they didn't, it, that didn't last long, but it, but it was there in the beginning. Yeah. Well, you would, you'd be glad not to join our home group because it's an expectation once a year that you put a dollar in for every year you've been sober. Woo, well, that's that's going to really add up well, for you. You know, you know that comes from that comes from national. That comes yeah, from our, the birthday that birthday program they call right. it. Right yeah. now, see, we do that when you pick up your chip in Texas, you get your envelope, you get your chip in it, and you get the yeah. little a self addressed envelope to. Uh, the general service general office. service office. And you write a check for however many years you've been sober and send it in. So you don't get it to the club. Yeah. You send yeah, it to general yeah. service. And that's we, very we, common in Texas. Yeah, we do it to the home group. And then it gets dispersed mm-hmm. with a percentage to all areas of AA. The beautiful part about Alcoholics Anonymous is that everybody does it the way they want to. <laughs> and when, it works. when you take that, we are, you know, we're autonomous and... You know, each group is autonomous. I mean, it is, t- yeah. trust me. And it's okay. It still works everywhere you go, no matter. It may be different. The chips may be a different color. Uh-huh. You know, the, it might be a club. It might be a meeting. It's just all saving grace. It's just about grace. Well, I want to support because mm-hmm. support it because AA saved my life. It does. Well, I got a question for you. Yeah. Uh, so I have uh, had zero cash in my wallet for about two weeks now. Because I don't like to go to the ATM because all I get out of there are 20s. Mm-hmm. And trying to make change for a 20 out of the basket is really rough sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I prefer to go into the bank and get a stack of fives and carry some in my wallet and all that. And I just haven't done that. Mm-hmm. So I haven't been contributing to groups. Mm-hmm. 
However, on Friday, I was able to contribute to my home group because we just implemented digital seventh tradition mm. options mm-hmm. or an option. And it's one of the things that I'm hoping will absolutely take off. Uh, and it's a way that I was, I was able to scan a code on a flyer mm-hmm. and give five bucks Mm -hmm. to my home group Mm -hmm. uh, directly from my bank account or from a credit card either way without having any cash on me. And that I think is, is one of the things because the only reason I carry cash now is to put it in the basket. I don't use cash anywhere. You're not alone. So I love that that's is a growing availability Mm. for us. And, uh, you know, the solution that my home group has chosen, uh, since this is not an AA meeting and we are not affiliating with them, we are simply using a service that is available, I will mention it so other people can explore it. And that's called Cash App. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we chose that because it's got privacy built into it. There are other payment apps that have a social aspect to them that say that Sam paid money to so-and-so and and we didn't want that type mm. of thing going on. So. Yeah, I'm excited to see how this works out because that's another part of this is that so many folks don't carry cash now but still want to be part of this self-support. There's one other about that tradition about being self-supporting and declining outside contributions. Yes. And I'm, I'm very clear about when my mom and dad came in my meetings years ago or when my sister came with me, I make sure that they I decline. I, it's my, that's the action verb that I have to take. Mm-hmm. That's what I have to do to decline. Thank you, but you please don't put any money in the basket. We're you know, right, and yeah. it needs to go on. But I think that's important that the people we sponsor, I make sure that they understand that declining, and we don't take donations from people who die and that kind of thing if they're not a member of if Alcoholics not a member. And there's even period. a limit on the amount that uh, that AA will take from someone uh, yeah. that's, that's bequeathed and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> you would, but, it's too cr- it's crazy, but we, it works. But money, well, money and alcoholics yeah. don't uh, do it. We yeah, just don't it. do well with yeah. it. Yeah, we, we cannot we barely, allow it to be too much because then that makes us beholden to someone. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. And Absolutely. we love power. <laughs> Now, I'm going to go back to this birthday club because, you know, I've got a next birthday coming up, and so I'm going to have to do 20. Oh, Don, I, I, pardon me, pardon me. Quit your bitching. Well, all right, because I put the number of years that I've been sober from alcohol, even with the restart, I'm popping $16 a month, direct donation online for, at aa.org. So I have a recurring monthly donation. At AA.org. So uh, that means that you can go, you can cut it back though. I, and so I, I did restart and I became a member of, of the Crystal Meth Anonymous organization. So are you, are hold you? Hold on, hold on. And so I've been sober seven years since that restart. They get $7 a month and I give $16 a month be- to that's, AA. Sounds that's wonderful. Good, Sam. Just and dropping so, the bucket in what we used to spend in one night. Well, that's what I was going to say. I'm going to keep doing it. But until Taxi it reaches. Taxi cabs trying to find my car. <laughs> until it reaches the point that it's equal the cost of a keg. Then you're okay, and then, <laughs> and then, and then you, I don't. I don't think we should have to go how, above that. I don't even that. know how much a keg is. Yes, thank I don't you. either. Thank you. I'm, I'm approaching thirty-eight, so I don't know. Is that, <laughs> well, let's I, throw on top of one. I one more thing. I suspect they're seventy dollars or so. <laughs> so you got a ways to go. <laughs> one more thing to throw on top of this too is that when I came here, when I came to AA, I was going to eight meetings a week. So and I was dropping a dollar in. So it was eight dollars a week that yeah, I was throwing in. Yeah, there's a difference in. there. Yeah. Um, I don't go to eight meetings a week now, mm-hmm. and so even if I were not contributing in the ways that I'm in, in the amounts that I contribute now, if I were dropping a dollar still per meeting, mm-hmm. I'm only going to three or four meetings a week. So I have re- would have reduced the amount that I was donating con- contributing to AA um, as a member, even though I've gotten a lot of benefit and I'm sober just because I'm going to fewer meetings. Mm-hmm. Sharon, yes. thanks for being here today. You're welcome. It was we're fun. going to take a moment. I'm really glad the, you joined us. We're going to take a moment and pass the basket. <laughs> the, the the bread basket. The bread, the bread basket. basket for the boiled owl. Oh my God, I got to share this. I got to share this. So, so Friday night Maybe. at my home group meeting, Thank God we had the digital thing going on, but I noted that there was a basket sitting on the table from the the church that we rent from. It, it wasn't ours, but it's this wire basket that basically, or not even wire, it looks like it's made out of washers, like for that you put on a bolt, uh-huh. except they're big. And I'm like, that's kind of evil to pass around because nobody can put change in it. It all fall <laughs> oh, through. It's 
especially if you're if you're the treasure, you appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. I've been there, done that. You, that get- you know, that's another one. Real quick story about an awakening. I was at a meeting one night. It was called Mustard Seed. This was in Virginia Beach, so it had to be less than. I, I moved out of there in three years, so it was less than that. But I I got there early and I was sitting at the table and they had grapevines lined up in the middle and I took one and I thought oh this is neat I and I asked this guy how much are they he says they're a dollar and I put a dollar in the basket that was sitting in the middle so we had the meeting we're leaving I had my grapevine walked out this guy looked at me that was down there on the end of that table he looked over and he said did you pay for that and I said I sure did and he goes I didn't see you and I thought for a second and I went God did (gasps) and it was a it was one of those moments where I didn't have to argue. I didn't have, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't I have to that. fight about it. I didn't have to do anything. I was really okay with myself. And it just it was it was one of those moments that changed <laughs> me. Just totally changed me. That's, I love that. That's freedom. That is freedom. Yes, yes, freedom. it is freedom. Stopping fighting everything and everybody. Yeah. So those tenth step promises. And, and, yeah. It's amazing. Stuff. Thank you so much for being here. You're Watch welcome. out for that owl. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl podcast is posted on the 1st and 15th of every month. Visit us at boiledowlaa.org or email giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org. Please note, Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of Alcoholics Anonymous and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services. has so many lives <laughs> i'll say i think we killed him off one time didn't we? we've killed him off many times